I want you to take your Bibles and read with me in John chapter 13. There are notes in the back of your bulletin as well as if you're on your Bible app, version. you can go on there as well and you'll find this. I'd like us to read this together. Uh, follow along with me as I read it. John chapter 13, starting in verse 1. I would have my actual Bible up here, so please don't think I'm any less spiritual. However, for some reason, I got the version of the Bible that as it ages, the font, the print gets smaller and smaller. So I can actually read this. Uh, my actual Bible, it's getting a little tougher without my glasses. So It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Verse 2. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. Verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Join me in prayer, would you, as we begin. Lord, we thank you for your word. It's a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. And so we pray that your word enlightens areas of our life in which we can better reflect your example of love and servanthood. Our ears are open to hear and to receive your word today. And everyone said, amen? Amen. Amen. This is one of those messages that can probably be misinterpreted as, um, I'm busy in the church, so I'm good. Or, oh great, now I'm supposed to feel guilty because I'm not volunteering or not involved. But neither of those extremes is correct. Because being busy is not a sign of being a servant. And your life is your ministry, whether it happens inside this church or not. You don't need to feel guilty because every need is not your calling. That's an interesting statement. You don't need to feel guilty because every need is not your calling. Many times we get involved in service and get connected in an area that there's a vacancy and we have to put a body in there as a church. We make that mistake sometimes and and it's easy to jump into an area that's not your calling. Don't feel guilty about not fulfilling a need that's not your calling. So just because there's a vacancy doesn't mean you have to jump in. And if you don't jump in, you're not fulfilling God's purpose in your life. Does that make sense? So follow along with me. I want to share my personal testimony, what has gotten me to this point when it comes to serving. My parents 
are watching this morning on streaming, so I say hello to my parents um, out in Washington State. And I told my dad last night, I said, you probably should call because, first of all, uh, I'm going to be talking about you and mom. And second of all, hold me accountable to make sure that the stories I'm telling are true. So um, my parents are first-generation Christians. My, my mom and dad did not start going to church or commit their lives to God until uh, after I was born. Now, I'm not sure how I should take that, to be honest, um, because I've had to live with this my entire life, the thought that when my parents are asked what drove you to the altar or what drove you to your knees to cry out to God for forgiveness that you need his help, they respond with the birth of our son. <laughs> so I've had to live with that, but I'm okay with that because I'm thankful that they gave their lives to Christ. And I don't think that was necessarily the case. But my earliest memories, even being first-generation Christians, the Bible says he who's saved much loves much. I think oftentimes the longer that we're in the church, the longer that we're on this journey, the easier it is to forget where we were and who we were before the grace of God found us. And I have found the people that serve the most and the strongest and with the most passion and the most zeal are the ones who remember very clearly who they were and what they were without the grace of God in their lives. That motivation to love and to pour out that love and to receive that love as God poured it out. My parents modeled serving. I remember loading our 1971 Volkswagen bus with groceries. Now, a Volkswagen bus, uh, they're kind of cool now. They're kind of coming back in. It, back in the late 70s, early 80s, not so cool. And that's what I got to drive around town. Uh, but it was okay because my earliest memories surrounding that vehicle were going to the grocery store, buying groceries, loading up that van, and taking food to people that needed food. And my mom had a very creative way of doing this. They have that show now called Extreme Couponing. I think you may have seen this. My mom would have been on that show if that show would have been airing back then. So our local grocery store wasn't a very big town, but they would have double coupon days and buy one, get one free days and all this. However, there was some stipulations on that. It was only one per customer. So my mother had a solution for that. She had two children. So she would load us up with coupons and cash, and my sister would go to one register, I'd go to another register, she'd go to another register, and we would get as much food as we can. There were times that I remember going through the line and actually getting money back for things because there was coupons that would like give a dollar back, and because it was free, I got, um, so she had this whole thing worked out. It was awesome. But we would load up the van, and we would take the food and, and deliver it. Um, I remember that we would invite people into our home, people that were seen as very unlovable and often rejected would find a welcoming home and a place at our table at any time. In fact, there was one young man, I don't remember his name, but he had came to visit and he had epilepsy. And I remember on the living, our living room floor, he had an epileptic seizure. And I, I didn't know what to do and I was pretty young at the time, but you know, my parents didn't blink at this type of thing. It was open arms, open home. I was often at the church with my dad working on projects uh, on the weekends or in the evenings. I remember crawling through the ceiling, running wires for our sound system. I remember the many choir rehearsals where I would sit and watch my dad leading the rehearsal or playing a saxophone in the orchestra at the time, which was a, a small group of musicians, um, or singing. He would sing, he would sing as well. And as I began to play the piano, I, I learned, I started about nine years old and I advanced pretty quickly and I was able to start playing at church at a, cer at a certain point in that. And I remember the first time I was able to even accompany my dad as he sang a solo and what a privilege that was. 
my mom had me taking a portable keyboard that I had. And portable keyboards back in the uh, early 80s weren't so portable. They were pretty heavy. So I would load this big thing up and play at these nursing homes for these residents. And when I think of serving, I often remember these childhood moments. And I, I see them as normal life. I don't remember ever regretting it or, or wishing I could be doing something else. It was the way we lived. Serving was not an inconvenience. It was our purpose. The people that would show up in our lives were welcomed and not pushed aside. And let me pause here to say this, is that be willing to be interrupted. Jesus stopped and helped people. Think about this. He never saw it as interruption. In fact, it was an opportunity to serve God and the needs of others. And most of his teachings and life lessons that we pull from today and miracles happen because of an interruption. Think about it. The blind beggar, the lame man, the sick woman, the paralyzed man, the dead child... Look around you. How many times do we pass up opportunities to serve because we don't want to be inconvenienced? Jesus loved people first. I'm pastor on call right now, which means we take phone calls from those that call the church. Yesterday, Sean and I had the privilege of going to the beach, which is right around the corner, which is nice. And on the way back, my phone rings, and it says the church on it, so I, I, I knew it was a pastor on call, call. And for an hour, I had the chance to speak with a young lady who's struggling and the entire ride home was that, and, and the conversation even got quite extended. And, and um, that evening, I was in the middle of trying to finish this up, and I had very little time, and the phone rang again, and I knew it was the same person. And I, in the flesh, I looked at the phone, and I'm like, wow, okay, what do I do? I had to answer the phone. And I had another lengthy conversation. But, you know, God uses those moments. Don't see those interruptions as an inconvenience, but see them as a true opportunity to minister and to serve. Amen? I, uh, Brenly, would you come up here real quick? I've got some people that are going to share. I, I'm sharing my personal testimony on why I serve, and, and, and the, the ones that I've asked to come are going to share lengthy uh, dialogues with you, but I wanted Brenly Berenfinger to come. Why don't you come on up here? Brenly and his family, his parents do the Holy Grounds. They do the coffee uh, station in the lobby, and fairly new here with us. And um, Pastor is in favor of arranged marriages, uh, if you have a, a daughter, uh, <laughs> this, is, this is one of those guys that you would, uh, I, I, uh, you're amazing and you bless me. Uh, I texted him saying, I want you to be involved in the service. I, want you to, I need your help in the service. I didn't say what it was. His response was, awesome, whatever you need. I'm like, does he know I'm going to ask him to come in front of people? And even at that point, he's like, yeah, I'm in, Pastor, whatever you need. Him and his sister were here this week just volunteering, just serving. What can we do? How do we help? Brinley, why do you take a day out of your summer to come and serve here? Just like today, why would you? Well, uh, I think there are two major reasons why I serve. Um, I'm an extrovert. I'm not sure how many of you have actually met me, but I love people. I, don't, I talk a lot. Oh, really? Okay, give me that mic. No, I'm kidding. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> but um, I really enjoy talking, and I get energy off of being around people. Like right now, I'm excited. I'm shivery because I'm in front of a bunch of people, and I'm excited. <laughs> And, um, uh, and I'm able to uh, serve in that area because the energy that people give me, I can give back That's good. and use that to help other people. Almost like what Pastor Ed was talking about earlier, uh, being able to give offering. Time is something you cannot pay for. It's something that you have, and it's something that you can give to other people and be able to serve in that way. And I just think that's a really cool opportunity for me to be able to serve in that way. That's good. And then what was the second reason? 
Um, <laughs> yeah, I have to think. That's okay. I'm nervous. That's all right. You're doing great. Um, but you're awesome. But um, I think life is doors. Just a trail of just doors constantly opening, closing, and God's constantly opening, closing these doors. Every once in a while, there's a small door, a small modest door that is serving. It's an opportunity for you to go through and um, be able to take advantage of that opportunity. Recently, I had the opportunity to be able to serve the past week at Mega Sports Camp, and that was a really awesome uh, thing that I was able to do. And I was able to minister to the children and the next generation of this church, the future right. of the world. And it was such an amazing opportunity that, you know, just, just little things like that, that, you know, money can't buy, just the feeling that you're able to have by giving something more than just good. money. Yeah. Good. You know what I mean? How so, old are you? I'm 16. Okay, hold on a second, hold on a second. Yes, okay. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back up a little bit. I didn't ask him his age until right now. How old are you, Brenly? I'm 16. Thank you. Love the barren fingers. Thank you uh, for what you're investing into this church. Uh, Brenly works at Chick-fil-A, also on Maitland. And their sales doubled when he hits the floor because my drink is never even half empty and I have everything that I need. Thank you, Brenly, for sharing your heart. I serve because I was taught to serve. Brenly was taught to serve. That's why he serves. Serving for me took a new perspective in the summer of 1987 when I added serving my country to my resume. I joined the U.S. Army Infantry. Now, in all fairness, I didn't really know what the infantry meant. But <laughs> I told the recruiter that I played the piano, and he said, what are you going to do, march with the piano? There's no piano in the Army. I said, okay, fine, infantry. Uh, they brought about some interest, an interesting journey for me. But think about it this way. There are very few jobs in which employees agree to giving their life as a potential cost of doing business. When an employer says, in order to give you this job, can we have your life? It takes a certain kind of human to say, yeah, sure. When can we start? It may seem a bit extreme, but the parallel to the life that Christ has called us to live is undeniable. Jesus um, is that he, with Jesus, is that he knew that he would die. We read it in John chapter 13, verse 1. He knew that the time had come. Knowing that he would soon be leaving this world, Jesus measured his actions very, very carefully and made a point to demonstrate the importance of serving as one of his final acts. We, we, we have a, a phrase that we've coined in recent years uh, called the bucket list. And bucket lists are popular. In fact, there was a movie a few years ago called The Bucket List. Most people want to travel, meet someone famous, skydiving, cobra snake charmer, running with the bulls. I mean, that's just me. But um, one thing that I have never heard anyone say is that they want to wash someone's feet before they die. Jesus knew he was going to die. And what did he choose to do? He chose to serve and to set an example. He chose to become the least in that room to those men and say, this is what I have for you to do. John 13, 35 says, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus came to serve. He showed us that serving was love in action. After a few months in the military, Sean and I married, and now it was our turn to model serving to our children. People often say to pastors, you do what you do because you get paid to do it. 
I'm one of those few pastors that served many years as a volunteer with no pay uh, before I ever received a dime for ministry. Um, you know, when I was in the military, I served at local churches as a volunteer for, for many, many years. What was a challenge with that was obviously being in the infantry, we would be gone a lot for field duty exercises. Um, so my commitment level in the church was harder at that point. When I changed over and started playing piano for the Army Band, my schedule uh, became a little more consistent to where I could become involved in a local church. People that I worked with knew that I was a Christian. I knew that God had called me to ministry. I didn't know what that looked like at that point. So what I figured I was going to do was I'm just going to get involved and get plugged into a church and begin to serve. And however that played out, that was up to God, not up to me. I didn't know what a music pastor was because we didn't have a music pastor in the church that I grew up in. So for me, I thought my path as a piano player was I want to play piano for Amy Grant and travel. Uh, some of you know who she is, some of you may not. You know, that's kind of where I saw this going. I, I didn't know where it was going, but I remember watching my parents serve. I remember being involved in a church. I can get plugged in at a church. And as soon as I got plugged in, I got involved in doing the music. My weekend schedule when I was in the military, the challenge of that was uh, we would do um, large events on Fridays and Saturday nights. We'd get back around 2 or 3 in the morning. I'd be at church at 7. We would do parades a lot of the times in the afternoons in the military, and then I would jump in my car and head back to Sunday night church. And that was our pattern for, for years. I didn't know any different. I, I didn't consider myself a martyr. I didn't consider myself worthy of receiving any money for it or anything. This is just what we did because our heart is to serve. I hesitate to share some of this because I don't want my reward here on earth. I, that's not why I did any of this. I share this to encourage you that in God's economy, there is a great blessing in serving. The path that God took us through in ministry, getting out of the military, going into ministry, that was a path that was completely unexplainable. I didn't have a Bible degree. I wasn't this, you know, big youth guy, uh, you know, great with, with youth, but this pastor uh, said, you're the guy that I want, and we jumped in with both feet into full-time ministry, and since that point, even to this day, being here at Calvary, I have never... I have never applied for a single job in ministry. Now, this is coming from a guy who I don't sing all the greatest. I can lead worship and sing. I'm not, you know, diminishing anything. But I'm not a soloist. I don't have solo albums. I haven't written books. I haven't done any of these types of things. But one thing that I can do is I can serve and I can work hard. And you can too. I say that to encourage you is that you can too. When my dad came to visit, when I was in Fort Lauderdale Christian Life Center with Pastor Max Sheer, he loved our years there in service, and it was a fairly large church. He met Pastor Max for the first time, and when he went up to Pastor Max, uh, Pastor Max said, you know what, we love your son being here. He is an extremely hard worker. And I thought, he didn't say anything about my music, he didn't say anything about my leadership, nothing, just, and I thought, you know what, but that's okay, I'll take that, because that's what I can offer the Lord. I can work hard. We can, all, we can all work hard. I had no idea that I was creating a foundation that would allow God to use me in great ways. I was just doing what I love to do, and I was doing what I was compelled to do. I had no idea what that ultimately meant. But um, Colossians 3, 23 through 24 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. The greatest gift we have to give is ourselves. 
and God will do the rest. Uh, and that's where I want Neil to come real quick because I want you to listen to what I'm going to say. I'm going to say, I serve because God rewards availability with ability. God's going to give you the tools that you need when God calls you to the place he's calling you to. He's going to give you the resources. He's going to give you the knowledge, give you the wisdom. And Neil and I were sharing this week about some things because Neil's helping with our men's ministry at the time. And it was very interesting how this all started for you. Yes, we were talking together Wednesday morning, and uh, we were talking about the, uh, the uh, Ministry to Men webpage. And apparently something I said triggered a thought in him that I should come up and share. Well, I began thinking and thinking and praying, and I started writing down I, why I serve. I, I, I. And I had a page about this long <laughs> since Wednesday. And I even practiced with my wife saying, this is what I'm, I think the Lord's having me to share. Well, um, I put a lot of experiences down, and I put two scriptures down. And then 4 o'clock this morning, the Lord woke me up, and he said, uh, it's not about you. Uh, you wrote my word down, so this is what I want you to say this morning, and I very, feel very safe in doing this. Right. So if you want to hear my testimony, you'll have to catch me at the back of the auditorium when we're finished. But the scripture, and this is perfect for these young men sitting over here too. It's Ephesians 2.10. For we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And then there's Neil's version. For Neil is created in Christ Jesus to right. do good works, which God prepared in advance for him to do. Now that just came to me. I've been doing this for 25 years. And he's been laying a good work in front of me, a good service in front of me, and... I just feel him kind of pushing me along. And I've learned a lot of things over that time. Right. Well, the second scripture is he gave me because this is why I'm able to serve. And it is 2 Timothy 3.16. Mm -hmm. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God, I'm sorry, so that Neil may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, that used to scare me about being rebuked, about being corrected, but I liked about the teaching, right. and I liked about, um, about training in righteousness. But I've learned to be rebuked. The Holy Spirit says, Neil, I didn't exactly ask you to do it that way, and now I'm going to show you the right way. So that's one of the reasons I've been serving in this church for a number of years and still have a wonderful uh, relationship with my wife, yes, too. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Neil. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Neil is doing a great job uh, coordinating some men's Bible studies and things and so thankful. And he said that all started because he was simply asked, can you teach a Sunday school class? And now this is completely uh, continues to grow and, and God is using him. Thank you, Neil, for sharing that. And I... I shared with him privately, I said, it's great. I appreciate you sharing because there's never um, a season of retirement when it comes to ministry. And I, I look around this room and I see those of you that have been a part of this body for so many years, so faithfully and serving, so faithfully. Thank you for, for all that you've done, the, the foundation that has been laid here. Um, I asked Alicia to come real quick. Um, I, I appreciate Alicia and Canute. Her husband is our sound guy, our audio engineer, and we love the Ellis's. And um, I, I serve because God is faithful. 
I've mentioned about our family as we raised our children to serve in the church, watching them now as they're adults serving in their churches. God has been faithful. I mentioned that about my journey in ministry from the churches that God has placed us in. The, the, the open doors that he's given us is because God is faithful. Even the call from Pastor Ed to come to Calvary, be a part of this, that was a demonstration of God's faithfulness. And I know you know something about God's faithfulness, but Alicia, you're up here blessing us every week with your incredible ability and talent. Um, why do you serve? When Pastor Mike asked me to speak on Thursday night, and he said, why do you serve? And I said, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I needed to add some things to that. I do know why I serve, because it's about relationship. We were created for relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And I am the second child, the middle child, so that's another story. But I am the second child born to two ministers. Both my mom and dad are ordained ministers. So it was natural. It came, you know, it was by default. I always grew up in the church, and I called it being involved because it's, it's good to be involved. It's cool. You're the pastor's daughter. You're going to sing. You're going to dance. You're going to do everything. But I never really had a relationship with Christ. Right. I just grew up serving or being involved. Right. However, there came a time in my life when it transitioned. It shifted from simply singing to entering into a place where I came face to face. Well, not literally, but in the spirit. And there was a connection. Yeah. And it was at that moment I realized that being on any stage, singing or speaking with anyone, it's one thing. But once you can get to know Jesus himself and have relationship, I always wanted to experience that. But then I realized that there were so many people who did not have that experience. Right. They saw religion. I've, I've been singing. I've been blessed to travel the world and sing with some amazing people. But when I knew it got serious for me was one day in April, um, I started hearing the Spirit telling me it's time to really take it to the next level and get involved in ministry. And at that time, I was doing very well. I was in a very good job and was being compensated fairly well. And then I just heard the Lord say, it's time to step out and go into ministry. It's time to serve. It's time to get people to where I am. And so it was scary because I had to tell my boss, I'm not coming back. And the CEO of the company, it's a financial industry, it was a bank, he sent for me and he said, Alicia, you can't do this. Um, ever since you've stepped into this role, we've seen our sales goals, everything, you can't leave. Name your figure, I'll, <laughs> I'll give it to you. And I'm like, God, you play too much. You play too much because I asked for a raise last year and they said they couldn't afford it. But now you're saying name your figure and I just kept hearing it's relationship. I need people to be drawn to me. They need to experience that. You have something. You can share that and help to bring people to yeah. me. So I left. Years later, I was singing somewhere, and the owner of a major broadcasting company in America was there, and I didn't know. And he came to the green room, and he said, I need to see that girl who just sang that song. And it turns out it was me, and he said, I'm going to make you a star. If you tell me right now you want this, I can sign you up with any record label you want. I can make you a star. And I'm like, God, you play too much. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> you play too much. I'm saying all of this to say because you can get on any stage. Anyone can sing. It's a beautiful thing to sing. It's a beautiful thing to have a gift. 
but it's an amazing thing to take that moment where lives are changed. I no longer wanted to just sing a song. Right. I wanted people to experience Christ. I serve because I recognize it's important to have relationship with Jesus. And many people can't get that if I just stand there and just sing any song. But if I can help to usher you into the presence of Christ, then this is why I serve. Broke, but serve. Right. Left my job, but serve. Because God is faithful. Because in all the time I've, I've been serving, I've never been hungry. My utilities have never been cut off. I am not earning. But God is faithful. Amen. And so that is why I Amen. serve. Amen. That's great. Amen. God is faithful. You'll see in your notes, and this is uh, how we're going to conclude this today, is just going through these notes you have in your bulletin. Um, and we've got one more brief testimony that I've asked to share this morning. But let's read this together. Philippians 2, verse 5 through 11. You see it written at, at the top of your notes there. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So number one in your notes, you'll see being a servant means giving up my rights for others. In verse six, we read, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Serving keeps things in perspective. Doing something for someone else puts us in that place to where humility and, and serving and understanding the mind of Christ is right before us. Because oftentimes we serve and people don't appreciate it. And when people don't appreciate you serving, it keeps us in perspective. Jesus did not hold on to his rights as God. He was not looking out for himself but for others. He surrendered his rights. He gave them up for you and for me. He gave up his privileges in order to come as a man and suffer a death that you and I deserved. All authority and power available to him became a channel of giving rather than a conduit for getting. You look at people today that have power and fame and prestige and these types of things and they use it for their own advantage. What can I get? What can I gain? Who had more power or authority than Jesus? And what did he do with it? He turned it around. He fo his focus was not on being served but upon serving others. Not on exalting himself but on emptying himself in obedience. In our world, the person with the most money, the person with the most power and the most prestige is worth the most. In the economy of Jesus, it is just the opposite. He who is the highest is he who does not live for himself, but for others. He who would be the greatest among you is to be your servant. So number two, being a servant means living out true humility. Verse seven, rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Selfish people don't serve. Selfish people don't serve. They don't serve God. They don't serve their family. They don't serve their neighbors. They don't serve their generation. Selfish people don't serve. Everything about selfish people centers around their own comfort and their own well-being. They want to be served. They want to get served. 
They will critique the way you serve them. They have high standards of what is required to please them, but they never consider that they are to serve. If our God came to serve, there is nothing that can exempt us from this responsibility. No amount of education, no amount of wealth, no amount of fame. Our fallen nature is not interested in being emptied, but in being filled. We are more interested in becoming something or someone than becoming nothing or no one. It, ruin, it runs contrary to the fallen sinful nature to become less so that he can become more. And yet, if we are going to be like Jesus, we must become service, servants. Number three, being a servant means being obedient no matter the cost. Being obedient no matter the cost. Verse eight, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even to death on a cross. We're not going to go into the agony that he faced on the cross, the pain, the suffering that was taken for us. But it was on that cross that the true nature of God is revealed. God is what? God is love, right? He came to give himself for us, to die for us, to die at our hands because that's what it took to redeem us, to buy us back from the condemnation that we brought upon ourselves through our sin. There is nothing he will ever ask of us that will cost as much as going to, as going to the cross, as much as what going to the cross cost him. We can never give up as much as he gave up. We can never humble ourselves as much as he humbled himself. We must, however, be willing to do whatever he asks, whenever he asks, wherever he asks. So number four, being a servant means there will be a reward. These are verses 9 through 11. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. Because Jesus was obedient, because he humbled himself, because he was willing to pay the price, he was exalted. The Father has given him the name that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. So the principle here is this, God rewards humble, obedient service. Luke 14 Verse 11 through 14, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. He also said to the one who had invited him, when you give a lunch or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers, your relatives, or your rich neighbors, because they might invite you back and you will be repaid. On the contrary, when you host a banquet, invite those who are poor, maimed, lame, or blind, and you will be blessed, because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. So speaking of serving in an area where you cannot be repaid, I've asked Jim, um, would you come, brother? And um, he said, I'm not dressed for the occasion. I said, yes, you are, because the area of serving is he's on duty right now. And uh, he's in the middle of working with our transitions ministry. And every Sunday morning, he is here very early preparing breakfast for the homeless, and then you're gonna be feeding them lunch in just a few minutes. In just a few minutes. Yeah, in, in just a few, and thank you for your patience. But Jim, why do you serve in the, in the homeless ministry? I've uh, been thinking about this since about 9.45 when Mike knocked on the back door of the kitchen this morning. <laughs> Said, I want you to speak today. I, uh, I have a scripture the Lord gave me when I became saved and gave in to him to go into full-time ministry for 27 years. And that scripture is 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and I believe it's verse 33 where it ends up saying, 
we seek not our own good, but the good of others, right. that they may also be saved. I've served for 18 years in inner city Washington, D.C. with kids, teenagers that lived in public housing projects. Many of them disappeared after the ninth grade, were never seen again, except on the corner, standing out, doing nothing. And uh, I went to a conference during that time. And there was a gentleman there by the name of John Perkins. He's a black pastor from somewhere, some little town in Mississippi. And he said, uh, he preached on a topic that during that conference. An elephant, a hungry elephant has no ears. And what he came around to was the fact that you can't give a person a need or help feel a need they have until you feel, feel the need that they think they have. Right. So when these people come to our ministry at Transitions, we know they're hungry. Yeah. And so we're there on Sunday mornings cooking and serving in that area. Um, I'm now also doing the shopping for Pastor Jeff on Mondays. So those are my two days off from work. It's Sunday and Monday, but I enjoy it. And my wife has served by the side and yeah. we just love this place. Thank you, thank you, Jim. We love you. We love you, Jim, thank you. Did you, did you catch what he said? His two days off are Sunday and Monday, and both of those days are filled with serving. Thank you for that, Jim. Serving, because we have a purpose, it's important for us to understand that each of us have a, have a gift. It may not be the gift we want, but it's the one that we've been given to serve with. People often waste time operating in an area in which they are not, not gifted, thinking that I need to continue to do this, because if I don't, then no one else will. Well, that's where you find things like burnout. Burnout is not biblical. The Bible says, be not weary in well-doing. If you're doing well, you're not going to burn out. You need to get in the right place. You're in the wrong place, and we want to help you get there. An honest evaluation will reveal that God has a different purpose for you. The kingdom of God needs your gift. God gave it to you. We don't have the right to refuse him service. The gift of hospitality, the gift of help, the gift of teaching, music, art, whatever it may be, weren't, they weren't given to you to make you successful. And yet, many of us do that. Not us, as in us specifically, but us as human beings, our human nature. We take that gift that God gave us and we use it to be successful. There's a kingdom purpose in the gift that you have. And that's what we need to realize. Rick Warren says, a non-serving Christian is a contradiction. Think about that. A non-serving Christian is a contradiction. There's a lot here at Calvary that needs to be done. There are plenty of places for you to serve. You can look around and see that we have a facility over 300,000 square feet. This room alone is over 100,000 square feet. That's a lot of space that needs to be cleaned. A lot of dusting, a lot of vacuuming. The children and youth areas obviously always need help. Our transitions area. There are plenty of places to put people, but our goal is not to fill empty Spaces, our goal is to be a place where you can use your God-given gift to impact the kingdom. Maybe there's something that we're not doing that we need to be doing because God has given you a vision for it. And we need to know what that is. I want to hear your heart. Pastor wants to hear your heart. We need to be making a difference in this community, in this state, and in this world through the gifts and the abilities that God has given you. 
And we want to share this with you on this journey together, the victories, the joys, what God is going to do. This is, being here for two hours on a Sunday morning, this isn't what the church is all about. We should be putting into practice on Monday what we learn on Sunday. It's immediate application. Serving isn't always easy. Think about this as we close. Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. That means he washed the feet of every disciple. That means he washed the feet of Judas. Think about that for a moment. He's on the floor washing the feet of the man who would betray him. Anybody else would have broken his foot, right? He washed the feet of the man who was responsible for the nail that was driven through his own feet. There's no sunset in serving. My, from my childhood story, let's fast forward now, 30 years. In about an hour or about a half an hour from now, you will find my dad at 70, 72 years young, I'll say, leading the music at Peninsula Community Church in Moses Lake, Washington. Every day this week, you will find my mom at the bedside of her 99-year-old mother who she has cared for daily for many years now. They continue to model serving. They could have a nicer house. They could drive a nicer car. They could travel the world. They choose to serve. What purpose... What purpose do you serve? What do people get when they get you? And what do people lose when they lose you? At the bottom of the escalators, we have an information desk. We're not doing a big sign-up or push for volunteers today. We're not looking for some kind of emotional reaction to this message at any length. I want you to go home and examine your heart, examine your life, examine your passions, examine your purpose. And, uh, but throughout this week, at the information desk, if you'd like to give a name and number, say, hey, I want to get involved in it some way, or I want someone to call me because I have an idea. We'd love for you to do that. In fact, right after the service in the Connections Lounge, we're going to have a meeting with the greeters and the ushers. If you'd like to jump into that area, there's a place you can go right after service. Pastor Shake is over in Calvary Kids. You can talk to him about serving in the kids area. But it's not so much about that. It's about fulfilling our purpose. And I'd like for everyone to stand. Would you join me? And thank you for being patient this morning. Appreciate that. I hope that... <clears throat> I hope that through the life that God has allowed me to live, what I have learned through his word and by understanding what love is and understanding what my purpose is, me, me standing up here today, please understand this, me standing right here doing what I'm doing, this is a, a great example of the way I've lived my life is that I've just said, God, I'm available. So whatever you need for me to do, I'm willing to do it. I have no aspirations to be a senior pastor at any stretch of the imagination I feel called to serve my pastor I've always felt that calling but I'm being available and so if I can be an encouragement to you if I can stand up here and preach a message on a Sunday morning you can do anything alright so we're going to pray we're going to have our prayer team come to the front as we always do we want to make this available to you if you have a need in your life, if you want some prayer and encouragement in the realm of serving or your own purpose and passion, if you want to meet Jesus today for the first time in your life, we want to pray for you. We want to agree together in prayer. Um, I want you to join me in praying for a good friend of mine, Matt Perkins, who was the music pastor at Faith Assembly for about six years. They left about a year ago to go to Fresno to People's Church. Mary Beth Perkins, his wife, was diagnosed with cancer about six months ago. She's been going through chemotherapy. They had a mastectomy scheduled for this last week. Because of the cancer, how fast it has grown, they canceled 
the surgery, they cancel the procedure because it has gone to the liver and it's pretty much completely taken over her liver. They have two young teenage daughters. They're, they're, they're my age. Um, it hits really close to home. I want you to pray this week for Matt and Mary Beth Perkins. Pray for their family. Pray for People's Church in Fresno. He's the worship pastor there as I go through this journey. Um, she's, she's at home now. He's at home today. I, I had asked him to watch the service and told him we'd be praying for him. Incredibly talented man of God. Um, and she is now hospitalized in a hospital bed at home. They have oxygen there for her. Um, pray for that family, please, for Matt and Mary Beth. And we're going to pray for them as we close. But again, our prayer team is coming forward. Um, if you need prayer this morning, I want you to, to come to the front. I want you to, I want you to this week to be encouraged. Thank you for those of you that uh, serve so faithfully in this church. But when you walk out of this place today, God's going to give you the opportunity to serve someone. God's going to put someone in your that needs you to invest into them. So I encourage you to do that. Let's join in prayer today. God, we thank you for the wonderful spirit and presence that has been in this place today. Thank you for your word that has encouraged us and challenged us to get involved, to follow your example of servanthood. Thank you, Lord, for giving it all for us. We as a body together today lift up.